the title of this message is, What Are You Going to Do With This Moment? What are you going to do with this moment? This is a point in time in this service. We'll never get it back. We need to spend this moment wisely for what God is doing right now. Amen? You may be seated. There's a passage in Acts 9.5. There was a moment, let's say a moment, that happened to Saul, who would later become Paul. And Saul says, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. Now, in order to really understand the life of Paul, we have to digress. It starts really with Paul being just a young boy. Saul is just a young boy, and Saul is taken to Jerusalem as a boy and is taught by Gamaliel, and respect, who was a respected Jewish Pharisee. So Saul is being taught and raised by political influence. He's learning from those who were anti-Christian or anti-Christ. They didn't believe that Jesus was God in the flesh. So as he's raised under this influence, he gets older and becomes an advocate for political justice. It starts when Saul looks after the coats of men who stoned Stephen to death in Jerusalem in 35 AD. Stephen was one that was a voice for the things of God. And what angered them during that time for the reason of stoning Stephen was because he's willing to preach a very stiff message to them by saying, it was you that crucified our Savior. And they didn't like to hear that. And so they stoned Stephen and here Saul was the one holding the coats. It didn't stop there. Saul leads a violent persecution of the young Christian church in Jerusalem. He goes from house to house, dragging men and women off to prison. And when believers are found guilty of what he considered to be blasphemy, Saul calls for them to be stoned to death. Saul simply hated the Christians. And he denied Christianity. It became his quest to taunt, persecute, and ridicule the separated lives of those who followed Jesus Christ. Oh yes, Saul had his own beliefs, his own culture. He was raised among those who thought buildings and houses and land 
Money, power, and politics was more important than truth. Living a Christian life would be considered weak in his eyes. For Saul, he thought it was mentally shallow and physically boring. And even that going to church would be just a waste of time. Saul didn't like the Christians. Talking to God in whom you could not see to him was absurd. He threatened those who believed in truth outside of his own understanding. Simply put, Saul hated God and the people who loved God. In 35 AD, armed with the Jewish Sanhedrin authority to persecute followers of the way of salvation, the way of salvation, which was an early name for Christianity, Saul sets off from Jerusalem to Damascus. But before reaching Damascus, he has an encounter. Jesus appears to Saul who falls to the ground and now is blind. In Acts 9.4, it says, And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Fifth verse, and he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against pricks. Simply put, it was a moment where Paul had to make a decision. What are you going to do with this encounter? You have fought it. You have denied it. You have rejected it. You say you don't believe it. You've talked against it and you've ridiculed it. But the real question is, what are you going to do with this moment? I don't just believe that we come to church to fulfill an obligation and to soothe our conscience. But I honestly believe that every time we come to the house of God, it's an opportunity to have an encounter with Christ where that we can come to this place and find a solution to every problem. It's called seize the moment. That word and that statement, seize the moment, is to take full advantage of life's opportunities whenever and wherever they present themselves. To live life to one's fullest potential. Can I propose to you full potential can only come from the one who created us in his image. I will never understand how it is to live my full potential, full potential until I am having an encounter with God. And when I have that encounter with God, and only at that moment can I realize and come to the place where I can live my life to its full potential. So I guess... What is poised here today is what are you going to do with this moment? I believe the anointing is here. I said I believe the anointing is here. 
Some of you need music for this, but we don't need music for that. Some people need the emotional part of it, but I'm going to tell you, the Word of God in itself can stand on its own and do a work in your life unlike anything else. And if we ever get to the place where it's only about the music and how it makes us feel, we will never have a revelation, nor will we have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because this thing is much greater than any of those things that are just fulfilling our emotion. He's saying, what are you going to do with this moment? What he's really saying is, are you willing to make a change in your life? Are you willing to stand up for truth and deny the things of your past and make a new commitment to God? Somebody shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. What are you going to do with this moment? Like I said, the anointing is here. The life-changing presence of God is here. Your purpose is here. I realize that some of you have come to church today with a lot of questions in your mind. Why have, has all these things happened to me? And we all go through things in our life where it's not always easy. But let me just say this. Life has dealt us a lot of problems, but maybe all of these things are not by accident. Like a car comes out of nowhere and blind, blind, blind sides us. A heart attack. Diagnosed with something incurable. Marriages are falling apart. You've worked for over 20 years for a company. Then just one day they let you go. Lose your pension, your 401k. You lose it all. A loved one passes away. National debt is in the trillions. National security is at risk. Bank bailouts, fighting for international oil. Alaska oil drilling is under divided debate, political unrest, and it just goes on and on and on. But my question is, is it possible that maybe God is trying to get our attention and has to knock us down on the ground and say, Paul or Saul, why persecutest thou me? Maybe God is trying to get our attention. Saul was knocked down with blindness. So here we are today seeming as though we have been blindsided in our lives. Is it possible that maybe God is simply trying to get your attention? It's interesting because when Adam and Eve were in the garden, it was a place, a place of paradise. There was no sin in the garden. (laughs) God said to Adam and Eve, there's a tree of knowledge of good and evil, and I'm going to put it right in the middle of the garden. And he says, leave it alone. See, a tree in the middle of our lives proves our faith in God because we then have to make a choice. Are we going to live for the world or are we going to live for God? 
Are we going to be obedient to the Lord or are we going to just do whatever we want to do? See, because you can't seize this moment if you're going to just do what you want to do. Somewhere that we have to recognize the presence of God that is among us right now. And we must then make a choice to say, am I going to seize the moment or eat of a tree? Eat of the tree of a sinful lifestyle, sinful nature of this world. I apologize. I'm being very methodical about what I'm preaching tonight or today. And the reason I am is because I don't want to lose my voice. But I, I want you to understand the severity of this message today. That listen to me. Listen to me very carefully. This is a moment that we're not going to get back. And this has to be something within us where we passionately pursue after God. And say, God, I need a move. I need you to touch me. I am desperate today. And now I have this tree standing in front of me. And if I'm not careful, I'll eat of the things. You say, leave alone. Rather than be obedient to this moment. Because this tree was a test for Adam and Eve. There was no choice until there was a tree. There was no choice until there was a tree. There was no choice between right or wrong until there was a tree. A tree had to be present for a choice to be made. That is true love. Love is not love outside of a choice. You have to choose in whom you are going to serve. And they took of the forbidden tree thus because they took of this tree, we are all living in the garden of sin. Are you still with me? I'm not going to take very much time here today. But I want you to get this. Because in Genesis 2.9, there were two trees. I must say two trees. These two trees came out of the ground. I must say out of the ground. In Genesis 2.9, and out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for, what? Food. The tree of life also in the midst of the garden and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. See, the tree of knowledge of good and evil takes us into sin. But the second tree is the tree of life that takes us out of sin. Jesus was crucified on a tree. So that's why in 1 Corinthians 15, 20, Paul says, but now, the converted one, the converted Saul says, but now is Christ risen from the dead and becomes the what? First fruits of them that slept. He said, this fruit that you take from this tree will bring you life, but as long as you keep eating of the fruit of the tree of the fallen state of Adam and Eve, you shall surely die. I guess really what I'm wanting to point out today is that this tree is among us right now. Jesus Christ is the tree of life. Jesus Christ is the tree of life.
and he is in this place right now. What are you going to do with this moment? Does God have to knock you down to the ground and strike you with blindness to get your attention? Just as he did with Saul, who later becomes Paul through his conversion and then writes a large portion of the New Testament. And in this passage it says, but now Christ is risen from the dead. He got it. He realized that if I'm going to survive, then I must be converted. Not according to assumption. Not according to religion. Not according to man's ideology. But if I'm going to be converted, I must be converted at the tree of life. And the tree of life is the place where I must go and die with Christ, be buried with Christ, and resurrect as a new creature in Christ and eat the fruit of the resurrection of the tree of life. Hmm. Because this tree that I'm talking about today, this tree will test the decision we will make and determine the fate that, we'll, that we will encounter. We live in a garden of sin. We are born in sin and shaped with iniquity. I'm just suggesting quit eating of that tree. The tree of the garden of sin. The Lord has put a tree of life in the middle of our lives. The question is, what are you going to do with that tree? Does God, again, have to knock us down before we realize that he's trying to get our attention? I'm, I'm going to have music come back up. Someone come up and start playing a little bit. Um, I hope you're getting what I'm, I'm, I'm saying today because I, I want to talk about the fruit that comes from this tree of life. The fruit that comes from the tree of life. The first thing, listen to me very carefully, and I, I preach this very strongly in this church and, and quite often because we have so many new converts and new people that are coming to this church that need to hear this. The first thing you need to pluck from this tree is repentance. If we get to the place where we no longer have repentance, then we never know what it is to die with Christ. We must die with Christ. We must die with Christ. I said this, I believe, a couple of Wednesdays ago. Maybe it was even last Wednesday. I said, the problem with a living sacrifice is it wants to keep crawling off of the altar. We must die on that altar. We must say, Lord, here I am. I'm willing to sacrifice every sin that I've ever committed and put those things in your hands. The real question is, what are you going to do with this moment? Are you willing to pluck from the tree of repentance and say, God, forgive me of my sins? I want to crucify the things in my life that don't belong there any longer. I talked about it in our morning class that you've got to have a made up mind. You have to make a choice that you're going to turn away from some things that you've been doing for a long time that you know is a grievance to God. And you've got to turn away from those things. 
And I know this sounds a little straightforward, but yes, I want to be a preacher that communicates that repentance is an absolute must for salvation. We need repentance in our churches. We need people, even those that have been in the church for 30, 40 years, to get back down on our knees and ask God to forgive us. We need to have tears streaming from our eyes and have tears stained to altars that show that we are truly broken in our repentance before God. We need people to let the world know that we make a stand for change in our own personal lives so that we can become a product of the fruit of His death, burial, and resurrection. That's why I'm, I'm, I'm very passionate about this. Listen to me. That's why I can't help but say that altars, even in churches, are imperative. I know there are people that, that debate and dispute the, the idea of an altar because they say, well, I can just stay where I'm at in my chair and, and God will come back. That, you know, that's true. But it says something to you when you say, God, you don't have to chase me. I'm going to follow after you. God, you don't have to come back where I'm at. I'm going to go down to where you are. And I'm not insinuating this is the only place where God is, but it does show a gesture in your life that you're willing to say, I came to church. Now I'm going to step out in my repentance and turn from a past that I know God is not satisfying to you. What are you going to do with this moment are you ready and are you willing to pluck from a tree of repentance and say as he died on the cross for me so shall I pluck from the fruit of that repentance and I shall die out to my own self and put my hand my life in the hands of a God that knows me better than I know myself That's why in Matthew 9, 12, Jesus says, They that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. But go ye and learn what that meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice, for I am not come to call righteous but I've come to call, call the righteous, but I've come to call sinners to repentance. He said, I've not come to call those that think they're righteous. He says, I I'm in this service. The tree is here. Life is here. But as he's moving down through this place and the Spirit of God is looking for those that are saying, I need repentance. I need repentance. I need repentance. I need repentance. 
He says, I tell you, nay, except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. What am I saying? What are you going to do? I'm saying to you, what are you going to do? Are you willing to pluck from the tree of repentance? Second one is his burial. Are you willing to pluck from his burial the fruit of his burial? Matthew 3, 13 says, Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan and John to be baptized of him. But John forbid him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me? And Jesus answered unto him, Suffer to be so, for now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then the Bible says he suffered him or he baptized him. Jesus was showing us that all flesh must be baptized. All flesh. Are you willing to pluck from the tree of baptism? The last one I want to talk about is Holy Ghost. We, we talk about this a lot in this church. And anytime you have a growing church, you're going to be talking about it a lot more because you got so many that need to learn of this tree tree of life of repentance, tree of life of baptism, and tree of life of the Holy Ghost. The fruit that is on this tree. In fact, in Matthew 3, 11 says, I indeed baptize you with water and repentance, but he that cometh after me, John is saying, is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. That's why someone asked me just recently, and we talked about this in our class. It's kind of ironic because I did not even know what class I was going to teach this morning until after I'd already God received, uh, put this in my spirit and I received this from the Lord. But it kind of correlates with the class this morning. We talked about where Peter said unto them in Acts 2.38, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Notice in that passage right there are three, three fruits that are plucked from the tree, repentance and baptism and the gift of the Holy Ghost. And someone just recently asked me, and said, why is it so important for you to take your doctrine of salvation out of Acts? And the reason we do is because if you go into the conversion of Saul, who becomes Paul, and the epistles, then you realize that they are writing to an already established church. And anytime you have a church, you're going to have problems in the church. Because people are people. But if you want to know why we go to Acts, because the plan of salvation starts at the birth. 
That's why we say you must be born again. Why should you be born again? Because it's plucking the fruit from the tree of life. That's why he is the first fruits of them that slept. That's Jesus Christ. So I propose to you that if you want salvation, if you want to be saved, let's go all the way back to the birth of the church. That's why we take the doctrine of salvation from Acts 2.38 because it's the very center. All of the Old Testament leads up to it and everything in the New Testament is a confirmation of it. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in this house right now. I don't know where you're at with God. I don't know your personal life, many of you. But I know this one thing, that the Lord is speaking to you right now. And today is the day that you need to look at the tree of life and say it is present in this house. And I want to pluck from the tree of repentance, the tree of life repentance. And I want to pluck baptism from this tree. And I want to pluck baptism of the Holy Ghost from this tree so that I might be saved.